Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Acts, chapter 27 tonight. And I will um, try and be mindful of your weak bodies. And I appreciate you being here. There's food afterwards, so that's always a blessing. Gives us something good to look forward to. But uh, Acts 27, and I want us to look here at uh, some thoughts and just by way of introduction. And then I have one main thought that I want to give you tonight uh, as I leave to go back home. Me and Michael will tomorrow. And um, so we've, we've been blessed to be here and honored, and the music's been magnificent, hadn't it? I mean, man, it's just been great. Been encouraging. My heart, Brother Paul, was singing. He could have just sang all night uh, of the goodness of God. And there's just something about good music, man, that just stirs the soul. And uh, David came in and played that music before King Saul, and man, that evil spirit departed. There's something about good music that uh, the Spirit of God can use to just encourage and minister to you in ways that nothing else can. And I thank the Lord He's done that for, for us and that He's helped us. And so Acts 27, and I want to just kind of give you what the Lord spoke to my heart about tonight, and then we will um, we'll go eat, praise the Lord. So let's look here what the Bible says. Now in Acts 27, I'm going to take for granted that you are aware and familiar with the story of Paul being in a great storm in Acts 27. That is not the message tonight, but we will consider some of that as we get into the introduction. Look at verse 14 of Acts 27, Paul is just about to uh, set sail, and they, as they do, it's ill-advised from the Apostle Paul, but nevertheless they sail. And the Bible says in verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Jerachladon. And when the ship was caught, we could, bear, uh, could not bear up into the wind, and we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Claudum, we uh, had much work to come by the boat which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands and strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. The third day we cast out of our own hands the tackling of the ship, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. It's kind of one of those I told you so moments that Paul had. And should not have loosed from Crete. And you've gained this harm and loss. And I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be the loss of not any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I love this phrase. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Now look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Just stay with me as I set 
the, the stage tonight for the message. The Bible says in verse 40, And then when they had taken up the anchors and committed themselves under the sea, and they loosened the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind, made uh, toward shore, and fallen into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded they uh, that could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And some, the Bible says, the rest on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that they escaped safe to land. Look with me at one more passage in chapter 28. Chapter 28, look just right over there on the next page. And I, I want you to see uh, another passage here. Now, in verse 37, the Bible tells us this. And, and when we were all on the ship, there were 200, three score, and 16 souls. So it tells us how many people, 276 people on this boat. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 28. The Bible says that when they were escaped, they knew that they, uh, the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received every one of us because of the present rain, because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he laid them on the fire, and there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said unto themselves, No doubt this man's a murderer. Whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth him not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire, and he felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after that, he looked a great while, and they saw no harm come to him. The Bible says they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, Father, I pray that you'd help me to say exactly what needs to be said. And anything that should not be said, let it be left undone. I pray that you'd use the Word of God to help your people. I pray that you'd strengthen the weariness of their bodies. I know tonight, Lord, emotionally and physically, we've been filled up with so much good throughout this week. God, you have done everything that we've experienced. It's not been the work of, uh, Lord, the preacher. It's not been the work of uh, the preaching. It's not been the work of the singers. It's been the Spirit of God that's done the work. And for that, we give you glory for helping us. I pray tonight you'd give us strength to receive just one more time. Lord, what you want to say to us. I know the full soul loathes the honeycomb, so God, give us just a little bit more, uh, Lord, space, if you will, for grace to receive what you want to say to us tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight very simply on this thought, and I'll get there in a minute, so give me a, give me a moment to get to, my, get to my idea. The message is this. Are you a builder or are you a beneficiary? You're not going to understand the message till I get there, but that's the title of it. Are you a builder or are you a beneficiary? Take that and then let's look into the message tonight. Our text deals with a difficult season in the life of Paul. He's heading toward Rome, but he asked the people not to sail because of the danger that was before him, yet they did not heed his Warning, notice some things by way of introduction, and then we'll get to the message. How many of you are still glad you're saved? Say amen. 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 Stay with me. Notice number one tonight, the ferocity of the storm. The ferocity of the storm. The Bible says in verse 20, When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Let me say something. In this storm, they were disoriented. 
You know, they used to use the stars and the sky in order to be able to uh, determine where they were going. They didn't have modern navigational equipment, so uh, they would depend on the sky to guide their journey. But when they were unable to see those for days at a time, they become disoriented on their journey, and they got to a place where they weren't even sure where they were going. And the direction had become sketchy. And let me say this, sometimes in the middle of a storm, that happens. You get disoriented. And sometimes you get directionless and you're not really sure where you're going and things uh, but, you know, but begin to spiral out of control, if you will. So in this storm, they were disoriented. Let me say this, they were discouraged. He said, when all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. By the way, Luke wrote the book of Acts. And he's on this journey with the Apostle Paul, and he records for our benefit that in the middle of this ferocious storm, Luke admits this, that all hope of survival seemed gone. And they resigned themselves to defeat as if the only hope they had was to perish. And sometimes in this life, that's where people find themselves. In the hotel room the night just before I left, there's a young man named Brandon that I've ministered to for quite some time back home, and his life is a mess. And while I was laying down, he called and left me a message, and he said, I, I said, I'm, he said I'm at the bottom of my, uh, my world. He said, I'm falling apart. I don't know what to do. He said, so I just thought I'd call you. He said, my life is out of control, and I don't know what to do. And he's in a mess tonight, but you know what? I'm thankful that when we find ourselves there, God is able to help us. But the storm was very ferocious, and uh, Paul felt this where he was. You may not be there tonight, but there are some folks that are. And there are some folks that find themselves there. And then we see this. We see the fervency of the prayer in verse 21. The Bible says, just follow along with me, that Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and then not loose from Crete, and you had not gained this harm. And so Paul is trying to tell them, you should have listened to me. But then he goes on, uh, the, the Bible says to tell us that, man, he's had communion with God in the middle of the storm. And Paul prays, and Paul's fervent and faithful to speak to God in the midst of his difficult time as we preached about this morning. So Paul is praying. We see this thirdly, the faithfulness of our Lord. Aren't you glad God's faithful tonight? I'm thankful for that. The Bible, Paul says this, There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, whom I serve. You know what Paul was telling the people on board? He is telling them of God's presence in the midst of the storm. And again, I'm not preaching about this. It's just introduction. But it's a blessing to know when we go through our difficult times that God's there with us. And Paul communicated that to these people. We see the faith of the apostle tonight. In verse 25, he said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. You know what he was saying? He said, the God that promised me he's going to get us through will follow through with what he said. He's not going to forsake his promises. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul, watch this, to start this chapter, he goes from being a prisoner to the end of this chapter in 28 to the leader. Paul goes from no influence to all influence. And it's amazing how God can do that uh, through a storm. By the way, had there not been this storm, I'm not sure that the Apostle Paul would have been given the amount of authority that he had, but he shook that viper off into the fire, and the leader said, I'll speak to that guy. And by the way, they didn't give everybody, uh, you know, accommodations, but they said, we're going to give that guy some accommodations, and God used Paul in such a way. Sometimes storms can give you influence you've never had before. It's just a sidebar thought. But uh, it's interesting to think about that. But here's the message tonight. Are you a 
builder are you a beneficiary? And there's seven points. I'm already on number five, so we're doing good. Number five, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider the fire in the aftermath. Now, brother, I don't know who prayed for the offering tonight, but uh, whoever it was, he's praying for the offering, and he said, said he made a, a few statements just kind of confirmed in my heart. I thought, all right, Lord. Look at chapter 28, verse 1. They escaped. They're on the island called Mylita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a, what's the Bible say? Fire. And received us, every one, because of the present rain, because of the cold. I'm going to go ahead and just take this towel here and put it over the communion table. You say, man, you sure do bring a lot of crazy stuff. I know it may be the last time I come, but we'll, uh, uh, hopefully I'll help you while I'm here. Brother Paul can undo all the, the wrongs that I've done while I've been here. Amen. Now, I want you to think about something tonight, and here's a very simple thought, and I don't want you to miss this as a church, because as a church, here's what God's done this week. God's done a work in this meeting, okay? And whether or not you have recognized that or not, the presence of God's been here. And as Brother Paul said, he's been here to help, man. And let me just say this. It's not been because I come from North Carolina. It's because the Spirit of God came. Uh, there's been people come from all over the place, and we could have had many, many more, and we'd have had a very average time had the Spirit of God not showed up. You need to understand, He's the reason anything good happened. It's not any of us. We start boasting of ourselves, and we've, uh, you know, we went down the wrong hole. So, but here's what I want you to see. According to Acts chapter 27, it's interesting, don't miss this, verse 37, there's 276 men that have just come through a storm and now they're shipwrecked on an island. In Acts chapter 28, verse 2 through 3, watch this now, on this island, there's a fire that's been kindled and there's 275 men sitting around enjoying this fire. It's cold outside. They've just been in a horrible shipwreck. They've jumped into the ocean. They've swam on pieces of broken board. They've got to the shore. And here are these barbarous people. They're not savages. They're just island people. That's why the Bible called them barbarous. And so it's, it's not a term that they were cannibalistic. They were just different. But they showed them no little kindness and started this fire. And so 275 men are aboard the sh uh, listen, are on the shore enjoying the fire that's been built that somebody else kindled for them. And then let me say this, but there's one man on shore that's trying to make sure the fire don't go out. You see, 275 men decided to think, man, this fire is wonderful, but one decided he was going to... Let me say it this way. 275 benefited from the fire, but one decided, I'm going to build the fire. And I thank God, listen, that you can be both a beneficiary and a builder of the fire. I want to benefit from what God is doing in the midst of this place in my life. I want to be a beneficiary of what God has done, and I believe many of us have, but you know what I also want to be? I want to be a builder of the fire. Not just a beneficiary of the fire, but one that contributes to what God wants to do. Because, hey, here's the honest truth. If we walk out tonight and close the door and turn the lights out and we're done and revival was just on paper and it was on a sign, then we didn't have revival. Because revival is not a, a set of services. Revival is something that God does inside your heart. 
and makes a difference and it goes home with you. And that's what revival's about. Falling in love with Christ again and the Lord working in you. But here I see Paul walking around and Paul's looking for something combustible to contribute to the fire. God started something in this place. I believe this. I believe God's begun to work. Hey, uh, we, we've had a soul saved. We've had people help. And I hope, I trust that God's done something for you this week. But if you want to keep the fire burning, then we've got to make sure that we're not just all sitting around benefiting and saying, hey, preacher, you build it and we'll benefit from it. No, it's a collective effort. But here's what you get. You get a really good example here in the Bible that a lot of times it's that, uh, I don't know if it's the Pareto principle or what it is, but it's the, you know, the 80 or 20 thing. It's a lot of times the least amount of people do the most amount of work. And a lot of times it's the 275 sitting around thinking, glory to God. And it's the one trying to keep it going and it don't last long. So what is it tonight that we can do to be a builder of the fire, not just a beneficiary of it? Well, Brett Wells wanted me to tell you that he was the one that brought this illustration tonight and wanted all the praise and glory for I'm just kidding, Brett. I love you, man. <laughs> well, so what is it tonight? Well, what are some logs we could throw on the fire in the church and keep it going, keep it burning? I mean, listen, something that you could bring. You're like, well, it's the pastor's job to, to what? <laughs> to keep revival going, to start it? No, 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 friend. You have, a, you have a part too in the church. You have a part as well. So what is it? Well, number one tonight, and I didn't know the theme till today, Brother Paul pointed out, but look, I will say four things. The, the first log you can throw in the fire to keep it burning, number one tonight is unity. Is unity. Say that with me, church is what? Unity. I'm going to put it right there. It's unity. Now you know what? If, if, you got a, if you've got a banner on the wall, then it's not a stranger to you, this subject, in the verse, the Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in, say it again, church, unity. Let me say this to you. You can be together without unity. You can be together without unity. It takes work to maintain unity. It really does. I mean, it'd be nice if you could get to the pinnacle of unity and just stay there, but no, friend, it takes work. Hey, you can tie two cat's tails together and throw them over a clothesline. They're together, but they're not unified. <laughs> and so the truth is this tonight. You can be together, but not have unity. You say, what's it about? It's about putting aside my personal preferences for the greater good of what God wants to do in this church. Now, that's not always easy to do. You know, because sometimes... Your opinion or your advice may not be followed, and oftentimes we think we're omniscient, you know? I mean, church people, man, listen, church people are church people everywhere. I don't care where you go, what state you're a part of. Uh, some folks just think, you know, preacher, here's what you need to do. We got some guys back at our church, and if you don't do it, they just think, man, you've offended God and everybody, you know, in the heavenly host because you, did not, you didn't adhere to my advice. Unity is this, putting aside your personal preference and Lord... I want to see you do something. One of the greatest uh, members we had in our church, the guy's name was Ray Blankenship. And years ago, they decided to do this. They decided to renovate our auditorium. And they were going to uh, strip the carpet, take the pews out, and completely renovate the entire auditorium. Well, we just, we just went through a, a recent transition in the church and a new pastor came. 
and he decided he wanted to do this, and the church was, you know, it was still in, in its early stages, and some people were nervous, and so they had a business meeting to vote on whether or not they ought to renovate the auditorium, and one of the, listen, one of the best deacons in our church, and I, let me say this, one of the top givers. I don't mean like he was one of the ones he was, the top giver in our church. I mean, give more money than anybody. There'd be times we'd have special meetings and offerings, and uh, he, he did log in his whole life. There'd be a $10,000 check in the offering. He'd drop in there, and him and his wife gave sacrificially to God. I mean, this is a guy that was committed to the work. The business meeting come around, and they voted on whether or not we should renovate the auditorium. You know, all opposed, raise your hand. Any opposed? You know what? He opposed the renovation. And he was a powerful voice in the church, by the way. He was an influential voice in the church. And it was, I just don't think it's the right time, and I just don't think we should do it. But the majority carried the vote, and it went through when we decided we're going to renovate the auditorium anyways. And you know what's amazing? On the Saturday morning that we decided we was going to meet the church early and rip the carpet out, rip the pews out, the first person there with his work clothes on ready to help renovate the church, was Ray Blankenship. And even though the advice that he gave as a powerful giver and person in the church was not adhered to, he said this, even though I don't agree with this, for the greater good of the church, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do my part as a church member, and I'm going to help build God's kingdom. Ray was a great man. He was my bus driver for several years on the bus we run on, and he was out working on a bus one day, changing a bus tire, and that bus tire blew out and killed Ray instantly. He went to heaven. You know what? We eventually built a bus garage in his honor. It's called Ray's Garage. It's where they work on all of our buses. But you know what Ray was? Ray was a person committed to unity. That's the log that he brought and threw on the fire and said, God's doing something here, and I'm going to lay unity on it to keep it going. Even though they didn't listen to my advice for the greater good, I'm going to lay that aside and still try and help build God's work. Can I tell you, boy, that's powerful. What's another log that will help build the fire? Well, you know what? I believe another one not only is unity, we're going to call this one humility. Help me, church. What is it? Humility. We're going to lay that one right there. Nothing will keep the fire burning in a church like some humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. James 4.10. You know one of the best ways to express humility is by coming to an altar and kneeling before God. And brother, I, I, I appreciate this brother here. I don't even know him. I appreciate his heart to just come up here and pour his heart out to God tonight. And he didn't give two cents what you thought. <laughs> and I'm thankful that he was up here and just talking to God. You know what that is? It's, a, it's an act of humility to get before the Lord. And here's what I want to tell you. And I don't think this is a problem in this church. I, I don't really know you all that good. I, I'm getting to know you, as Brother Joe said, a kindred spirit, man. You feel like in the faith you know people. But here's what I want to tell you. Coming to this altar is an act of humility. And he, here's what it does. It's a public acknowledgement that God spoke to my heart. You know why I come to the altar on a regular basis? Because it's to acknowledge that God's done something inside of me. You see, there are some folks in a church that hadn't been the altar in years. I mean years. I'm talking, there's some folks in our church back home that if God Himself walked in the auditorium in the transfigured form, 
that'd be like, that was a pretty good day. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water. Hey, they're not moving. But you know what it is? It's a public acknowledgement that God spoke to you. Hey, it's a powerful example to the next generation. I wonder, when's the last time your kids seen you go to the altar? You know what I want to make sure? That my son and my daughter see me regularly making a trip to the altar. You say, why? You got sin in your life? No. By the way, the altar's for more than just confessing your sins. It's to work. I'm pretty sure this brother tonight was worshiping God up here. But there's sometimes, well, I just, no, it's a good example to the next generation for them to see us as adults coming to an altar. That's important. And it's also a personal response to the Savior. It's humility. Boy, nothing will help a church like a good, healthy dose of just humility. You get on this altar and humble yourself before God, it's hard to have a critical spirit. It truly is. Well, let me give you another log. You say, how many pieces would you got? Oh, it's going to be a long night. I just got four. Let me give you the next one. Unity. Humility. This log tonight, church, is activity. Say it with me. It is activity. We'll go lay that one right there. A log on the fire. Oh, if it falls, it's going to get exciting. What could help? Hey, well, I want to benefit from what God's doing. Wonderful. What could you do to build it? Well, you know what helps build a church? Activity helps build a church. Titus told us this, who gave himself for our sins, Titus 2.14, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto himself a peculiar people. Here it is. Zealous of good works. God saved you to serve, not to sit. It's not Bible, but it is Bible. It's Bible principle. God saved you to serve, not to sit. And so the question is this, what are you doing for God? Every time the doors of this place are open, if you're able to be here, you ought to be here. You ought to look for ways to contribute to the work of God. I, I believe Brother Tim said it this morning. He's talking in Sunday school about different things you can do for God. He said some of you could paint. I think it was you that said that. The Lord knows I can't paint. My wife can. Some of you can mow the grass. I thought, I can mow the grass. He said, some of you can make cookies. I thought, I can make cookies. Now, that's one of my hidden talents. You didn't know that about me. But on my resume, I preach and I make cookies. And so, <laughs> praise the Lord. I also eat cookies. <laughs> Come, can I get an amen right there now? Yeah, man. Come on now. And uh, so, praise the Lord. But, you know, you should find something you regularly do for God. I, I don't know, the, the, the teenage boy, I don't know where he is somewhere. Uh, but he was holding the door for me back there in the back. Yeah, the guy that drives 115. Amen, brother. Appreciate you. And uh, he confessed a lot of sins to me outside that door. He's telling the girl, hey, stop saying that. You know, it's a preacher. But uh, you know you know what? Every time I come in, he held the door open for me. I thought, appreciate that, buddy. He may never drive again after tonight, but I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but and I, appreciate, I appreciate people that walk around and shake hands. And you know that food didn't materialize in there. Somebody picked it up. Somebody paid for it. Hey, those brownies don't make themselves. Somebody has to make them. And you know what? You've got something you can do for God. And that activity, you know what it does? It helps to build this place and keep it going. I'm almost done. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Another one is this. Not only unity and humility and activity, oh, this is going to be a good one. But you know what? Another thing that will help build the church is maturity. Say that with me. It's what, church? All right, let, let me, yeah, there you go. You're like, we're mature. Uh, you know, the truth is just because you're old don't mean you're mature. <laughs> That'll help you. It also means just because you're old don't mean you have wisdom. 
Wisdom don't just naturally come as a result of age. It does come with some of that, but great men are not always wise. That was another message. But the Bible says this, Psalms 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, nothing, nothing shall offend them. You know what? Let me say this to you. A good way to gauge your spiritual maturity is to ask yourself this question. You ready? It's a good question. Am I easily offended? Am I easily offended? Well, pastor, it's just the way we've always done it. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you know? Uh, they asked a guy one time, he was 104, 104 years old, and the, they said, man, 104. They said, I bet you've seen so many changes in your lifetime. He said, yeah, and I hated every one of them. Some people hate change. They can't stand it. Well, bless God, it's like, you know, people that cut the end off of the ham. And they're like, why'd you do that? Well, I don't know. And eventually, you know, they go back five generations because grandma didn't have a pan big enough, so she cut the end off of it. It's like, that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the way you always done it don't mean that's the way you always got to do it. Amen. I'm going home tomorrow, so God bless you. <laughs> but that's just the truth. Sometimes we get rutted in our ways at, at church and just think, well, you know, I just, uh, it's just the way. Well, well, you know, why don't you bring the, the log of, of maturity that says, hey, I'm not going to be easily offended. Now, uh, preacher, it don't mean I'm going to agree with everything, or, you know, even as a church member, you may not agree with everything that goes on in church. But for the greater good to keep that fire burning, I'm going to step back and say, you know what? I'm going to try to handle myself right. David behaved himself wisely. Well, David didn't say, well, Saul threw a spear at me. I'm going to kill him back. You know? <laughs> Sounds real spiritual, don't it? Well, you know, he threw a spear at me, so I'm just going to... I mean, you, you know what you do when somebody throws a spear at you? You pick it up and throw it back, right? That's what you do. But David didn't. David didn't. Abishai said, hey, here he is. Let's kill him. He said, I, I won't have to stick him twice. <laughs> I love Abishai. He said, I can stick him to the ground. I won't have to do it twice, David. I'll nail his hide. David said, don't touch the Lord's anointed. And Abishai's thinking, he can't stand you. Why do you? But you know what? David cared more about the greater good. He cared more about God's blessings. And sometimes all we care about is our agenda. Come on now. You're like, man, I wish you'd preach that other message. Yeah. But the truth of it's this. If we want to do more than just benefit from the fire, if we want to see it maintained, then we've got to put some logs on it. And sometimes, you say, have you ever been offended? Let me check. Yeah, I'm breathing. I have been offended before. And you know what? I have handled myself wrong. I have asked, I've had to say these words. Some of the toughest words you'll ever say. Oh, boy, let me help you. I'm really preaching now. You say, preacher, we got food now. Yeah, I'm really feeling the preach coming on now, though. You know, some of the hardest things I've ever had to say is two, two things. Number one, I was wrong. I was wrong. By the way, my son has heard that many times out of my mouth. <laughs> son, I was wrong for the way I handled that situation. I was wrong. <laughs> and... I've just had to say it. Well, bless God, you're a man, and uh, men are wrong a lot. Amen. All the ladies said amen. There's a chance, ladies. I'll give you a chance as, a, as an underhand right there. But I was wrong. I've had to tell that to my wife, to our leadership, to people I work with, and then something else almost even tougher is this. I'm sorry. Well, I'll say I'm sorry when they're sorry. Wasn't that a great spirit? Aren't you of an excellent spirit? You know, boy, sometimes 
it's okay to walk up and say, hey, I was wrong about how I handled that, and I'm sorry. And boy, for some Christians to say that, I mean, man, it'd be an act of God. But you know what? If you got unity and humility on there and maturity, then there's a good chance you'll be able to say those things sometimes. Come back to each other and say, hey, I didn't handle myself right, and I was a little bit huffy. I was a little hangry and didn't eat breakfast this morning, so I, I, I yelled at you, and I'm sorry about that. And you don't have to lose your mind and blow the whole church up when something goes a little bit wrong. Just come back in humility and just say, hey, I'm sorry about that, and I want to I, I be better at that. You said, did you say you had 27 points or seven? Let me give you the last one, and we're done. Consider this tonight, and we're finished. Consider the fidelity in the adversity. Tonight we saw... I'll just run back through all of them with you quickly. The ferocity of the storm. We saw the fervency of the prayer, the faithfulness of the Lord, the faith of the apostle, the fire in the aftermath. And then tonight, we see this. I can't count six. We see this, the fidelity in adversity. Well, in chapter 28, Paul is putting sticks on the fire. And wouldn't you know it, right in the middle of that fire, a viper jumps out and latches on to Paul's hands. How many of you hate snakes? Say amen. I hate snakes. I mean with a passion. I can't even tell you, but I hate them. You say, well, what about the only good snake? That's right. The Bible says in Second Opinion 4 verse 2, the only good snake is a dead snake. Amen right there. So with supernatural help of God, you know what Paul did? Paul shook off this viper into the fire. Don't miss this statement. The way he handled the unexpected adversity in his life made a lasting impression on everybody around him. I want to say that again. The way he handled the unexpected adversity in his life made a lasting impression on everybody around him. You know, when you don't plan for adversity and it comes out of nowhere and latches onto you, it'll reveal what kind of Christian you really are, man. Because you know what? If you are just corrupt on the inside, it will show itself in a quick minute, if you are not what you need to be for God. But Paul shows himself to be uh, the kind of Christian that he said he was, and it made a difference. Can I also say this, and Brother Paul, you know what I recognize in this passage? 276 people, but you know who the snake didn't bite? The snake didn't bite the 275 that were warming their hands by the fire. Let me say it like this. The snake didn't bite the 275 people that were benefiting the snake bit the one that was building the fire. And here's what you need to know tonight as we conclude this meeting. That is this. You need to anticipate spiritual attacks in the coming days. Boy, we had a great revival. Well, it's a good time for the devil to rear his ugly head and just try and ruin every bit of it. And so you know what, tonight the Lord spoke to my heart and said, hey, let's just have a little time with the church here. We can just be real with each other and ask the question, do you want to just benefit from what God's done or do you want to build it? And if you build it and you say, well, I put my log on the fire preacher, well, you better get ready because the devil will come after you. And when he does, you need to ask God to give you the grace to handle yourself right. Handle yourself right. I mean, I'll tell you, some people can get so messed up and it just destroys the work of God. Tonight, God's doing a work in this place. Here, here's what I want to do to conclude the revival. As Brother, uh, Brother Joe's been asking us to do early on in the service, I wonder tonight, as many it would, 
as we conclude. And sister, I may just have you play softly as, as we do this on the piano. So just find a place on the altar in just a minute and say, Lord, I want to benefit from everything you've done this week, but God, I also want to help build it. God, I want to put some logs on the fire myself. I, Lord, I want to contribute to the unity. I want to have the activity. God, I want to have humility. And Lord, I want to handle myself right when the adversity comes. And God, when the devil rears his ugly head, it's not a matter of if he will, it's a matter of when he does. How you handle it will say a lot. And tonight, this is just kind of preparation for that. God wants to continue what he's done here. You've got to add to it, but then you've got to anticipate the devil's going to fight it. But you know what God can do? God can do greater things than ever before in this place if you'll let him. Through you can make a difference in this place. Sister, would you play a little bit of invitation for us? Not a very emotional invitation, but I want to ask you not to stand to your feet. And I wonder not who would just come and get around this altar and say, God, help us to contribute to what you're doing in this. I wonder right now, you can just step out of your seat, find a place, and say, God, what can my part be to help build the fire that you've started at Calvary Road, Lord? What can I do? How can I contribute? And also tonight, let's pray for God to give us grace because there will be adversity personally and corporately that you'll experience in your life. And we got to, listen, we got to ask God to give us the grace to handle that right. Because I'm going to tell you what, church, if we fly off mad and say things that we shouldn't say, we could really hurt the work that God's trying to do in this place. And tonight, I believe He's, he's got more to come for Calvary Road. I really do. I believe God wants to do greater things in the days to come. But you're going to have to be willing to do your part it's not just the pastor and the leadership. It's the individuals. It's the teenagers. It's the kids. It's the moms and dads saying, God, help me be a builder of the fire, not just a beneficiary of it. Help me to do my part, Lord. And when the viper rears his ugly head out of the fire, oh God, help me to handle that right, shake it off, so that the world might see there's something different about this place. Father, I pray tonight, as this church is surrounding this altar, Lord, that you'd continue the work that you started in this place. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done over the course of these last few services. I really believe, Lord, that the Spirit of God has manifested Himself. And, Lord, I believe you've started a fire of sorts in this church. Lord, it's just, it's been, it's been wonderful. Every time we've come, there's been a special presence of God in this place. I'm thankful for that. And Lord, I'm thankful I've been able to benefit from the work you're doing in this place. But oh God, tonight, help us to not just leave it there. Help us to build upon the work that you've started. Help us tonight, Lord, to have unity like never before. Lord, give us a church with a heart of humility. More would come out and Lord, do their part. Be zealous of good works. And God, just not be so easily offended when something don't go their way. And when the devil comes as he will, help us to be able to shake it off with the grace of God and move forward like never before in this time that you've given us. Father, would you bless us? Would you strengthen us for the days to come? I pray that you would. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Preacher.
Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.